Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Voyager actor, and I've said it before, and today I will say it again, who portrayed the role of Milt Elliott in the 1994 TV movie, One More Mountain, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, your favorite forever ensign, Garrett Wong. Remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. Now, you're probably wondering, why am I keeping... Why are you bringing up One More Mountain? Because... What I is that? It looks wearing, like a fraternity shirt. It is. It's it's Greek letters, but this is a gift from our Admiral Chris Knapp to me. And basically it says, eat me. <laughs> eat me in Greek letters. For those of wow. you who are listening, it's a blue shirt with white lettering. In it. It's basically Sigma Delta Tau, which is not, you know, but it's eat me. So it's Sigma Delta Tau Mu Sigma. That's that uh, was what I thought was my line in the one yeah, of my but it, lines. But it wasn't. The, yeah, you no. actually don't say that. But it's so humorous and it's so funny <laughs> that, and also Chris Knapp thinks it's so funny that he sent me this. And it, funny That's enough, amazing. when he sent it, it said it was delivered all the way to Canada, and for some reason it was not delivered. It went to another address, so we had to wait even longer for him to send a second shirt. Oh my god. So I've gosh. been waiting to wear this thing oh as a, my basically gosh. a prop shirt to kind of, you know, make you laugh and uh, and our listeners and viewers laugh and finally yes. I'm able to do it. So now and I for have those it, that so. haven't heard the story, Milt Elliott, yeah. that character was one of the cowboys in One More Mountain about the Donner Party that gets stranded, a true story. Yes. They were stranded in Donner Pass. That's right. It's now named Donner Pass because many of them died in that uh, winter, the horrible winter, and they mm-hmm. they engaged in cannibalism to stay alive. They actually ate the people who's, who died. Oh, it's, and it's, it's horrible. horrible. And so my character, really as he was dying, said to Meredith Baxter-Burney, Baxter please eat me but i didn't say that no he actually but said I thought please I said something to the effect of use my use my use body my body or something like that right something like that but yeah. it's far funnier if your line was please please eat me, eat me. yeah <laughs> yes okay all right okay. um <laughs> so yeah so that's why i'm wearing this to commemorate that Thank you. One, one credit of Thank yours, you. which brings so much joy and happiness and laughter <laughs> to Chris into, Knapp. into Chris Knapp and, <laughs> and many other people's lives, not yes. just Chris. Thank you. So thank you, thank Chris Knapp, for the shirt. <laughs> I have it. All right. So are we ready for this week's yeah? episode? Oh, let's yeah. dive in. Let's go watch it. Let's go watch this episode. Okay. okay. It's, um, this week's episode is Muse. Muse. M-U-S-E, Muse. Yes. All right. All right, everyone. We will be right back with our recap and discussion of Muse for all of our Patreon patrons. Please stay tuned for your bonus material. All right, everyone. We are back from watching Muse. My goodness. Yes. I oh did my... remember the You did basic remember plot, the basic right? plot. Yeah. yeah. The Greek chorus, you know, yeah. and the uh, yeah. pre-warp society. I got that. Yeah. But I, I, didn't... I actually really liked this episode. Like, yeah. I didn't... I sort of remembered some of it. It kind of came back. Right. Um, I didn't have a ton to do. Neither one of us. I, oh, you had more to well, do. Well, later. Yeah. But, you know, right. I, I am happy that, you know, Paris didn't cause anything to happen in this episode. Yes. It yeah, wasn't. Exactly. It wasn't Paris Neelix and, and Neelix Paris doing didn't something go make weird. A trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We didn't, we didn't cause no. the whole problem. No. Yeah. So that's one plus in this episode. Yeah. Well, let's let's okay. start with our poetry. Here we go. Let's, um, let's do it. Mm-hmm. My 
haiku from use. Here we go. Yes. The flyer crash lands. Local poet helps Torres. Harry saves the day. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All nice. right. Let's hear your let's hear your limerick. All right. Let's here's go. my limericks synopsis. You know, I, I really like the, the poetry synopsis. Like we used They're to fun. try to they, you we know, used to try our... to recap a quick thing and it never was quick no it meandered and it was long Ugh, and it was just not just, efficient it was so not borg like and now this is great this is very borg like right now okay all right go ahead here we go with a limerick synopsis for muse lay it on me some aliens put on a play you probably won't see it on broadway it's the voyager story a tv writer allegory with an inspired ending balana saves the day very nice, but don't make me laugh in the first verse. That doesn't. <laughs> that's not fair. I had to hold that in the entire time. Like you it probably make won't it on, see it on, Broadway. It on Broadway. That was no. what a great line. Oh, I love that one. Very good. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And it, and it is. It is a writer's a TV writer's allegory. The whole thing. Every time really I heard is. the guy, really the guy is. talking about, I need an ending. I need. A, yes. I need a surprise. I need a yes. twist. I need a. I yes. was like, this is all. TV writer notes. Like, I love it though, crazy. right? Yeah, was, I mean, we don't funny. have any type of episode like this at all. No, so it's really, I, I was pretty excited about this. There's a lot of inside baseball <laughs> metaphors <laughs> yeah, about TV so. writers' lives. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my. Goodness. Anyway, speaking um, of writers, written by Joe Minoski. Yeah, I yeah, like that. I, I feel you know, like just, this is the perfect script for him too because he's really always is. he always thinks like very classically. Like yeah. the fact that he kind of you know, deconstructed Greek drama yeah. and things like that. I love yeah. it. So Joe did a great I, job. I feel like we need to kidnap him with ninjas and then we can interview him for our podcast because he doesn't want to do interviews. He doesn't. He's a very he's introverted, a very, well, like reclusive to very to point, reclusive. I would say, yeah. you know, he doesn't yeah. need anyone around him. He's very self-sufficient yep. and he's very talented and if you're, I mean, if you're in his office talking to him, he's a nice guy. You know, he'll talk to you. He's not like he's not going to say anything, but he will not do interviews. And I really feel like I need some type of angle to reach out to him. So it's a challenge. It is. All okay. Right. Written by Joe Minoski, directed by Mike Vehar. Mike came back yeah. to do another one for us. Okay. I loved Mike Vehar. He Me was too. awesome. He was. And we've talked about him before. So we have. We have. Let's, let's get go on. into guest stars. guest stars. We uh, start with Kellis, who was the writer. Okay. That guy. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, just the writer. <laughs> that guy. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the Greek drama the main writer. Poet. Yes, yeah, the basically. Main, yeah. The poet, exactly. Yeah. Kellis. Yeah. His very first job was not long before this, actually. He was, uh, as premiered on Frasier, the sitcom oh. Frasier in 1998. So just a oh. couple of years before us. What's his name? You just tell, you said oh, his character jo name. Joseph Will. <laughs> Thank Joseph you. Will jo is his Joseph Will is Joseph Will? Spell that. Spell yes. Will. W-I-L-L. Just like a Will. Okay. Just like a Will. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. He also, a little right. trivia, he played, he had a speaking role in Star Trek The Experience, The Borg Invasion 4D Attraction. Oh my gosh, which I've been through multiple times. So huh. he was a chief security officer and he oh, I think he was get he got Borgified and he he had a line, some speaking role there, but he was there yeah, you he was go. In Star Trek the experience. So. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So he's actually, yeah, he wasn't part of the actors that they hired to interact with the fans that were there. No. He was part of the actual in the movie. filmed, yeah, the part of the ride. Because they had yeah. the original ride, They then they added the Borg Invasion one. That was the exactly. second ride that they had. Okay. 
Yeah, Joseph Will was in that too. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Great. Uh, Kelly Waymeyer played uh, Lena, the actress and girlfriend of the writer. Yes, Kelly the jealous Wa- girlfriend. Yes, Kelly Waymeyer. I will say she uh, had a recurring role on Enterprise uh, in the beginning of that show. Oh. But sad, very very sad story about Kelly. She died uh, of an undiagnosed cardiac arrhythmia, and she was only thirty six years old when she died. What? So very sad. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Very sad. Uh, I thought Kelly did a great job in this episode. I'm so glad she was part of Voyager Ooh. and just sad to, to share that news that she, she passed away. Uh, it, it's such a definitely. Yeah. I mean, but most of the times we talk about actors that have passed away, they're, they're in their seventies, their eighties, their nineties. And now we have someone very young, That's very, very young. tragic. We had our Greek chorus. I'll talk mm. about those guys. The first one was, Chorus number one is what Mm. he was called, Jack Axelrod. Okay. Jack Axelrod is now 92 years old. So speaking of Kelly dying so young, Jack is still alive. He's 92 years old. Yeah. His first job was in Kojak in 1977. Kojak with Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas, yeah. That was the first. Okay, if you think about it, that's the first hairless star of a show, at least in our era i suppose yeah, right that was very yeah yeah it was a signature thing that was, was the pre-patrick that was pre-patrick stewart yeah right yeah pre bob Cardo, basically yeah. so yeah to be the lead of a show and bald was very rare back then so Tilly zavalas did it yeah mm-hmm. so that was chorus number one jack okay. axelrod 92 right. years old still going strong nice um course number two was john shuck John Shuck. No, okay. John Shuck is a theater actor. He played like, um, I think I saw him in Annie at some point. Oh, he he was oh. Uh, Daddy Warbucks for decades. He's oh he's wow played that on Broadway and tours and all over the place. Oh okay. Uh, his first job was on the NET or Net Playhouse was the name of the series. I think mm. Renee Auberjonois was also on this. It was a show, an anthology show, very yeah. much like Twilight Zone. Like they would okay. adapt yeah. books or science fiction, things sure. like that. So I don't know which episode he was in, but it was in 1969. His first job okay. was on Net Playhouse. Net Playhouse. Okay, great. He was also in two of the last Star Trek, original Star Trek films. And he appeared on three different Star Trek series. But the the most interesting thing I found out about John Shuck, yeah. he was married to Susan Bay from 1976 to 1983. Okay. They got divorced. Susan became Susan Nimoy, Mary Leonard Nimoy. So John Shuck's ex-wife, Is after Leonard, they were divorced, became Leonard Nimoy's, became wife. Leonard Nimoy's mm. wife. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. A lot of Star Trek connections for John Shuck, course yeah. number two. He was the really? tallest one, I think. The tallest course. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, course number three is Tony Amendola. Tony Amendola. Uh, we know Tony Amendola. We, yeah. we know Tony Tony's very well. great. I thought yeah, that was he, him. I was like, isn't that Tony? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. His first job on film or television was a Partners in Crime, mm-hmm. a TV show with Linda Carter and Lonnie Anderson. Okay. 1984. Yeah. So Tony was Tony, course number three. He's the right. one at the end who sort of tried to save the show. Was yeah. Sort of yeah. improving at That's the right. end. That, That's that right. was Tony. Tony also in his er, in the early part of his career played mostly heavy guy. You know, the bad yes. guy, I think. Yeah. So and it's funny yeah. because if you ever meet Tony and talk to him, he's the exact opposite of that in real life. He's so. the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. nice. Great yeah. guy. 
Uh, we had Michael Houston King. Okay. As Jero. He was the actor that sort of played the Tom Paris character in the okay. company. And okay. Other roles too. They all played multiple roles. But yeah. his debut was in 1996 on okay. the soap opera Another World. So not too long before no, Voyager. Not too okay. long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Kathleen Garrett, another actress in the company, okay. played Tannis. Right. Now, Kathleen Garrett, uh, her debut was in 1982, a TV show called For Lovers Only, and it starred Andy Griffith. It might have been a TV movie, actually. Yeah, okay. But it was Andy Griffith, 1982, For Lovers Only. Here's the Hmm. interesting thing about Kathleen Garrett. Yes. She did Robert Beltran's production of Hamlet. She was in that. Which I went to see. I don't know if you went to see it, but I I did go see see it. Everyone what? was great, but I don't I don't specifically remember her, but she was in oh. Robert's production in 1997 yeah. of Hamlet. She played Queen Gertrude. Nice. Um, got great reviews in that from what I could see. And yeah. uh, I was just amazed. She uh Do you yeah. do you recall when Beltran came to our, tell us to, he made the announcement? He said, guys. I'm going to be uh I'm going to be doing Hamlet and reprising Hamlet in West Hollywood or whatever, with yeah. 99 seat theater. All of us were like, oh, because we were all nervous for him because, yeah. you know, he can't remember his lines, can't remember his lines on our on show Voyager to save his life. How's he going to learn Hamlet? How is he going to learn Shakespeare? How will he remember Shakespeare and not go up on his lines? And the funny thing is, he, when he performed Shakespeare, which he loves that genre. Yes, he does. It flowed out of him like it was just butter. All of those yeah. lines came yeah. out. He never messed anything up, which was, thank goodness, you know, it was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone the else? Very, very last uh, one that I saw was the warlord, the patron guy. Right. Sto- Stony Westmoreland was the guy his that name. reminds me of uh, Andy Richter, the sidekick yeah, on the does. Tonight yeah. Show of one of the one of the night evening shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stony Westmoreland uh, was in the sitcom Townies in 1996. Ah. Which I think. Um, I think like Ron Livingston was in that. Okay. I can't remember who else. All right. So the very first scene, we're basically at an outdoor amphitheater. That's what it Mm -hmm. looks like. And you hear, you hear a captain's log and it's sort of chanted almost board-like in a way. Captain's log, star date, five, three, eight, nine, six. Balana Torres requests permission to search for dilithium. So we're listening to all these lines and we're wondering what, is this exact well i knew because i remember this episode but when you're watching this for the first time you have no clue what's happening uh young carrie kim in an escape pod and there's kellis the poet this is the first time we we realize that there's somebody writing about the voyager characters yeah and he refers to them as the voyager eternals so this is almost something from their own from their own mythology, mythology or religion their, or something. yeah their own lore exactly where there are these beings known as the eternals they're very powerful and so he calls the voyagers uh the voyager cast eternals as well the voyager eternals it also it felt like this greek chorus that was reciting this yes, story it was, yes it was very much the greek chorus that's what it, it sounded like mm-hmm. it felt like they were comparing or calling voyager like a sailing ship you know what i yes, mean there was, yes yes there was references to like Cast against the rocks or things like that. Because they're a pre-warp society, so they're not going to understand warp cores and all this stuff. So they're still sort of developing. And after the end of this play, and it's actually not that long, uh, all the audience (laughs) is very excited. They're very happy to see this. And the... The patron, or let's just call him the the duke or the or the king of that area, that territory. Yeah. What do you want to call him? 
that guy. I think he was the warlord. He called him the patron is what he said. He kept calling him the patron, but he also was like a fighter. Like there was a lot of worry about. Let's say the warlord. From now on, let's call him. Let's refer to him as the warlord. Okay. So the warlord is there with his his warlordess, his wife, whoever that is. And Mm -hmm. he wants the next version. He wants the next edition of this play to come out in a week. He's very. And from this scene, we know that he's very insistent. He's persistent and he's a tough guy. He's a powerful guy. Yes. And he's dressed. He's dressed in all his regalia. He's kind of blinged out. Did you see the guards beside him with their, with the big, with their, yeah, their massive, yeah, headpieces or something. That was very cool. But still kind of Greek era type of, um, totally armor and headpieces. But Kellis does ask if his patron has noticed how thin his performers have become. So sort of a side way of saying, hey, oh, yeah. we would love to have a little bit of extra little moolah here. And this was the funny part of this scene. <laughs> the warlord reaches what seems his like wife or his wife's or whatever. cleavage yeah. or something. I mean, he just reaches in and he pulls something out as if, I mean, oh, where I thought it was loose? a necklace. No, he uh, he. Oh, did he necklace. rip the thing? Okay, because yeah, I thought I it was so. just a gemstone that he pulled out of a pocket, her front pocket or something. It was very I think it was a neck weird. on a necklace, and I thought he okay. just like yanked it and broke the chain. Or All right, the... well, that makes more sense. I mean, yeah. the other way is just like, what's what's happening? But <laughs> evidently, it's a very valuable piece of necklace or whatever it is. Throws it over at young Kellis, and he's yeah. like, great, we've got, uh, we got food money now. So Yeah, exactly. This was yeah. a big set, by the way. Yes. This was a... I was really impressed with our art department and the set designers and because mm. it was a it was a theater. It was an amphitheater. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. weren't hundreds of people. There was, you know, maybe 50, 60 people or something. So you think but, that was on 16 or do you think they put it on? Yeah, I think it was on 16. OK, I think it was over by the cave sets because okay. it felt like they kind of built it into that cave, you know, that right. open area where the caves kind of opened up to the yeah. two level cave. Yeah, over they there. They could have built it somewhere over near there. Yeah. So that so that when they went backstage, they could kind of go in that open air area of the caves. Maybe that's what yeah. I was picturing. Yeah. And well, the only the only series regular that knows where that was for sure it would be Roxanne. Roxanne, She's the yeah. only one that worked on that set. Everything else, everyone else was one of the guest cast. So, yeah. 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 Um, but did you like the overall shots that they use and how totally they began? did? Yes. I think so, Mike mm-hmm. did a great job in this episode. Agreed. It was really, really elegant and simple. Yes. But really well done. Yes. And then we jump to the Delta Flyer at night where candles are lit everywhere. And this is interesting. We actually talked about this in the last episode about being lit by candles and things like that. We actually broached that subject as well. But it's mm-hmm. very, it's very well, you know, it's it looks nice. It looks like it's uh it's all lit for a nice romantic dinner is what it looks yeah. like but you can tell the delta flyers in shambles it is absolutely and it's like sideways it's sideways you know? it's U- usually yeah yeah those that that delta flyer set piece mm-hmm. is always on a platform it's it's usually straight yeah. but this time it was they must yeah. have angled it up and broken the the glass and things like that right so, actually speaking of broken glass yeah so the windows you know it's 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 in a shambles it's kind of dark you can see like woods or trees outside the windows, but you could also see like broken shards where the glass yeah. of the, um, of the, you know, the windows, canopy guess, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was broken. And then I thought, didn't we always say that there was no glass there, that it was like, uh, that's just a force field, right? A force field, right? Yeah. So why did they have broken glass in yeah. the Delta flyer? It would have been a force field. Mm, yeah i i think there's still some type of pl- glass there or something it doesn't okay. make any sense to be just have holes sitting in your 
your vessel, you know, maybe it's a backup, like a four. I don't yeah, know. In case the force field, I mean, if you think about it, if your shields go down, down, if your shields are to zero, you're just going to get sucked into space. Am I right? Yeah. And would you yeah, true. be sucked through there? So there has to be some type of really strong, clear. When I, I think one Something. of our fans told us that it was clear. It was it was see-through titanium is what it was or something yeah. like that, you know? So it's actually a very strong ore, a, yeah. met- a strong metal, but that they've engineered it so that it's actually clear that you can see through it. So wow. that's what I understand well, cool. if, according to one of our fans. So yeah. hopefully that's what it is, but um, it, it looks like it's abandoned though. You don't see any life. there. don't see all. anybody. The way Mike Vehar shot that he shot that very well. Yeah. And we do see someone, we do hear a little bit of rustling and it's Kellis. It's our poet who showed up yep. and he walks in there and then it's, we do have a reveal where you do see it, it's Torres and she's, but she's bound. tied up. Yeah. She's tied up and she's got she's blood tied. on her arm too. So yeah, she's got yeah. all these, like, it looks like, uh, cu- you know, intentional cuts. Intentional it doesn't look cuts. like, exactly. doesn't look like, a, mm. you know, um, damage when she crashed. No, yeah. not at all. So when Kellis comes close to her, she does do a little bit of, you know, rambunctious fighting. I think she knocks him back a little bit, but, um, it's now we know she is basically, a prisoner of this poet and what's and even he more said, interesting he said in the play he goes yeah. i rescued her yeah so he does yeah. admit in, in that first play that opening scene that <laughs> right. you know that he he found her on her yeah. ship and rescued yeah. her and yeah. he's you know he's got the inside connection and now we right. realize oh yeah you didn't rescue her you like Tied her up and she's your Tied prisoner. Her. Exactly, right now. exactly. But we do find out that he learned a lot of these facts and details that he put into his play from our law from the logs within the yeah. the Delta Flyer. Like he could hear the the sensor. He could he accessed the sensor logs, some audio, some audio files as like, well. Yeah, her, you know, so, yeah, yeah. So now he knew the predicament of how how. You know, he knew Roxanne some of the story there. from yes. what was on these logs. Exactly. Yeah. The question is, well, it's not a question. I guess they imply that she's been unconscious this entire time, right? Because yeah. the whole thing with the with the the cuts, it was an ancient form of bloodletting um, that he was doing to try to heal her in a way. Yeah, so he, that, he, she says something like, "You're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to kill you're, me," and he's you're like, trying no. to kill me, and he goes, yeah. "No, I'm trying I'm to trying save to help you. you." Yeah, exactly. That's the only way to let out the evil spirits is bloodletting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you know they're very. <laughs> primitive yeah she says like untie me untie me all throughout the scene he's like no no you can't do it but finally she does tell him look there's a medical kit which then she has to say a box a metallic yeah. box because he doesn't know what a medical kit is but he brings over a device which is basically a dermal regenerator is what it is yeah. and he asks uh he turns it. she turns it on and then he jumps back a little bit and she says no no, no don't worry this is going to help me i want you to run this over my wound which he does and miraculously he's, he's yeah, like he's oh, like oh yeah. my god you are an a miracle yes unbelievable yes. Yeah. what other kind of miracles can you do <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. he's very yeah. impressed he is impressed yeah she does ask how long she's been there and he says yeah. eight days mm-hmm. so we know she's been there eight days unconscious yeah and he said he got this one play from the logs, um, but he needs more stories of the Voyager Eternals. Yeah. And so they basically make this deal. It's yeah. like, she goes, well, we Eternals have our rules. We can't just give things away for free. Right. So cut me loose and I'll tell you more stories. And yes. she convinces him to release her. And then she grabs a phaser. Yeah. 
Remember that? Yeah, and that's right. That's she right. Says, she repels him. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Don't ever come back again. Don't, yeah. don't ever come back. And she actually shoots out the broken window. She shoots a branch. She shoots she a tree does. that vaporizes tree. Yeah. so that he can see what this thing will do. You know, I, I'm a, I, that bummed me out. I was like, that tree did not deserve it. No. No, it could have been a rock. He should have shot a rock or the dirt, but the tree is still living. And that kind of. That bummed me out a little bit. Just well, I'm still stuck on the broken windows. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, fine. But she can shoot uh, out a window. But anyway. <laughs> so he runs away. He scurries yep. away. And then later, there's a there's a passage of time. It is now daytime. And we're, yep. we're back in the Delta Flyer interior. All of a sudden, we hear Kellis. He's back. He's got food now. And, mm-hmm. you know, Torres doesn't turn that down. She's starving at this point. Yeah. I don't think anything on that Delta Flyer is even working at this point, replicators or anything. So she starts nibbling. And basically, he starts asking her for more information about, yeah, especially about Earth. Know, he yeah, wants about to know Earth like... and this and that. Yeah, so she's she's he's getting more details for his next play that he needs to write. But within you can a week. see, yes, you can see that she knows he's a poet and he wants like the poetic version. Yes, so she goes. It's a beautiful blue and green. Yes, island. Planet, yeah, like an no, island. She didn't say yeah. planet. She says she doesn't island. say planet. Yeah, she pauses. She's she not like going to get an, that. Yeah. yeah, like an island. Yeah, yeah. So and, she kind of goes with the flow on this one, which is very yeah. smart of her. All the way until he asks about, uh, are you, uh, is she in love? Are you in love with Tom Paris? And yes. that that ends the conversation for some Yeah, she's like, reason. supper is over. Yeah. Why didn't she say I don't know. yes? I don't think she's very proud to be with you with that I don't like either. That. that was very I don't disturbing. Either. Okay? I so agree with you. So all the PT shippers out there are probably feeling queasy their stomach is just you know, just turning upside down what is happening here why would you say it was that con- it was very confusing that she yeah. like shut down the conversation he shut it down completely brought it up tom paris brick wall okay and, and later then, when we see tom by the way yes. tom's like distraught he's, he's so distraught upset. but let's talk about that when we get there so okay. she she takes she takes him to the back section she's like come on kellis Let's not talk about Tom Paris. And she activates, I guess there's enough power to activate one display with a computer kind of pops up, pops uh, on. And then she shows him a graphic of, I guess, what dilithium looks like. I don't think we've ever Mm -hmm. seen that before until this uh, this episode. It looked like crystals. You get it like the... The hippie, you know, yeah, crystal shop the, or something. Uh, psychic Eye bookstore. Yes, exactly. exactly. I was like, can I have that crystal, please? So, well, he recognizes it immediately. He calls it yeah. Winter's Tears, which is yeah. quite poetic of Vanosky to call them Winter's Tears. And and then we find out that it's located in one area on the patron's hunting grounds, which is completely illegal for anybody other than the patron to go wander around and, you know, yeah. collect things. And he's like, no, we can't. There's there's no way. And she's like, okay, well, um, this is the only way that I can tell you more information for your play. You need no to go more stories this. for you. Yeah. That's right. Until you get this delight, this dilithium, this winter's tears for me. You need to bring bring that back. Uh, yeah. A storm does begin. And by the way, she, he does mention he brings up this idea that the patron and other nobles of his planet, you yes. know, or civilization, yes, they're always at war. Like yes. they're, they're fighting. There's a lot of conflict. All the time. And that's mm-hmm. when she says, she kind of backs down. She doesn't want to start a war. So she's like, right. okay. She sort yeah. of backs down a little. That's right. But then there's a thunderclap outside. Do you remember yeah. like, a, like yeah. a lightning or something? Yeah. And, and, it, and it, was, it was timed perfectly because it almost yes. seemed like she had caused it. Because he's like, what? 
did you do that? Did, did you do that? And she goes, basically, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't get caught. Yeah, by not saying anything, then he basically yeah. was thinking she did it. Yeah, don't get caught. So he runs off to go retrieve this dilithium. Yep. And uh, back to the Delta Flyer interior, still a more passage of time. Now the storming is still continuing. It's st- yeah, definitely he's storming. soaking yeah. wet. He's soaking wet Which, when he returns. Do you yeah. remember when you had to do scenes when you were supposed to be wet? It was the most uncomfortable thing because they'd horrible. have to spray down your it's costume. The worst, yeah. And you're just freezing. You're freezing you- because they're not really spraying warm water on you, are they? They're just spraying no. water, which is, you know freezing already and you're in it for a long time time. you know we shoot these scenes for hours and so you're just in wet clothes and it's i felt so bad for him coming back i know i mean if you think about it that scene when he comes back is what i don't know two minutes so anyone watching is thinking yeah he was wet for two minutes no No, he was wet for hour upon hour upon hour Yeah. yeah just for that just for that segment right there taurus basically says that she has an idea for his next play Mm-hmm. And it's a, and the other thing about this episode that I liked is I like the transitions from one scene to, a, yes. to the next. They almost led organically to the next one, right? It was very so, well structured yeah. by uh, by Joe and really yeah. well done by Mike Vehar. And very and nice he do, in the scene when he comes back all wet, he does bring back the dilithium. So now yes, she's, he has it. Yeah, so she's she got it. it. We see these crystals from mm-hmm. the Psychic Eye bookstore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably where the props department got them. Um, Hopefully, they took the the price tag off of them. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's not still sitting on. There. It's very okay. nice display of crystals. <laughs> it, it would look really lovely in my house. Yeah, I so. most definitely on an end table, coffee table. Yeah. All right. So after she says, "I have an idea for your next play," yeah. we segue to the amphitheater. We're back to yeah. the amphitheater. Kellis arrives very excited, and he says that he has been visited by inspiration herself. So clearly inspiration is a female in his eyes. And he says, I have the new play. It's called The Rescue of Bellana Torres. Yeah. And when he comes back, by the way, he runs down this tunnel onto the stage, you know, the stage area. And the actors are all just hanging out there. Hanging out. Yeah. And I was like, what are they doing? Shouldn't they be rehearsing something or doing a dance class or whatever like, actors do i don't my, know my feeling was i that they lived there like they, that was also where they lived and like okay they, the actors know, so, live yeah. can you imagine if we lived at, at stage theater? nine yeah yeah <laughs> stage stage nine. <laughs> no that eight, would be horrible nine. if if when we for seven years while we did voyager we had to live there oh my gosh i would yeah. oh no i couldn't no. do that no. I mean, it's nice, but I know. No, you can't live on set. I would li- well, actually, wait a minute. I would not live on 16. I would live on eight and nine. I can live in my quarters quite easily. <laughs> I could. I mean, those are okay. nice quarters, and there's no yeah. there's no feral cats and you know, cat If we had to live there and the replicators in the holodeck actually worked, I'd yeah. totally live there then. Would you? But they didn't, it was it was not real. So no, it really wasn't. I can't replicate stuff, I can't no. play around in the holodeck. No. Nah, but Amazon's know. pretty close to replicating something. I mean, you could order yeah, the same day true. and get it pretty that's quickly. True. Am I right? True. Okay. All righty. Uh, so the rescue of Bellana Torres. That's the new play. He's very, yes. very excited. Let's Do get to work. Other... He's yeah. like, let's let's go. Let's we'll start rehearsing. So we don't know what story she told him, but right. he's right. got another idea. He's and... ready to go. Ex- yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're moving on. We have an exterior space shot of Voyager flyby. Fly space. Yeah. Let's cool fly by. Nice flyby. And then we're in the briefing room with Janeway. And we actually, we come in. It's interesting. We never come in at the very end of the briefing room scene. Basically, mm-hmm. she says, dismissed. Like, that's the top of the scene, okay? And Tom gets up. He, he's 
protesting. He's like, no, that's, this is this is not the only way. There's got to be something. I want to take a shuttle. I want to go. I want to take that shuttle and go planet by planet. I'm going to search every single planet. And, uh, you know, Chakotay is like, no, that's too dangerous. Uh, the spatial eddies that knock the flyer off the course, uh, you will possibly encounter those same spatial eddies. Yep. And now you're going to be crash landing on some planet. And I just like the very end, uh, how everyone leaves except for Paris. Yeah. And that's typically what we see with Harry. It's Harry's always the last one in the briefing room and he sits down and is very pensive. But in this episode, it's Tom. And yeah. do you remember that scene at all? I don't remember it, but I did notice that in this scene and there's another scene where Mike Fahar shot instead of from the inside looking towards the windows and out to space. Yeah. He shot from out in space, outside the set, Looking. through the window. Yeah. And it, he did it a couple times in this yeah. episode. And that was an interesting change and pattern yeah. that we normally did. Yeah. The other thing I noticed in this scene, so you had Neelix there, you had the doctor there, you had Tuvok there. Yeah. You had Seven of Nine, Chakotay. Right. Everybody's right. there. They're all there. But the only people that spoke were me, Janeway, Chakotay, and Seven had one line. Which is so a little Neil, weird. Which is weird. Usually everyone has a line or two in, yeah. the, in that briefing. Neelix room. didn't yeah. have a line. The doctor yeah. didn't have a line. Tuvok, they had no lines, which is, I hated when that Oh, happened. yeah. I, all, all the actors that had no lines were not happy that day. I'm going to tell you right now. They're sitting there going, really? You could not have written my character out of this scene? I have nothing to say here. And usually the writers were good like that. If we had nothing to say, they wouldn't let us, they wouldn't even have us there. They'd let us have the day off, but not here. Did you notice when Janeway comes over to Paris that she touches his shoulder? Yeah, she does. He looks down at her hand and they have this long pause. And I was just thinking, I, were you Janeway's thinking about like, salamanders? Yeah. I'm yeah. There's still, still a something little, there. little salamander connection. And yeah. Janeway might be thinking, well, Balan is gone, Tom. Puts, hey, you know what I mean? Exactly. We can, mm -hmm. we can be Mr. Yeah, and Mrs. Salamander. So I felt like maybe. that moment had a lot yeah. of uh, subtext in it. It did. And you could have Not definitely really, threw a monkey wrench in there. If, as she put her hand on your shoulder, if you kind of like reached over went, and kissed her hand, that oh, would have been. That would have really? been a whole different story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But we didn't go down that road. But no, anyway, we didn't. It was a, it was a <laughs> nice moment of but touching. But it's me. still very rare to see a heavy moment with Paris like that. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously when you did the episode threshold where you had salamander babies, that's, that was heavy. That was very heavy, but dramatic, here, but yeah, this it's is dramatic. Just yeah, sad. It's, it's sad and heavy. I'm just yeah. saying to see uh, Paris sit yeah. down and be so just distraught and Dropped out of it. Head. Yeah. Dropping his head. And he's that's feeling how like emotional Paris was, but Torres clearly wasn't very <laughs> emotional when the guy <laughs> said, are you in love with Paris? Clearly, she didn't have the same feelings at that point. <laughs> okay, so. the flip side of the coin is she just doesn't want to air her, not air her dirty laundry, but she wants to keep her private life private. That's the other, that's the other I thing. I know, I thought of that too. She yeah. might be protecting herself and, you know, maybe they're yeah. going to try to leverage my love or my emotional Something life. Something so like that. She doesn't know gonna what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, she's not going to show okay. her hand. So, okay, that's how okay, we'll fine. validate that. All right, good. Okay, fine. So now we're back in the amphitheater and they're in the midst of rehearsal and the old man and the chorus are exclaiming steady armed Paris bound by a sleep that brings no rest. 
which is great because look, you were totally in that other scene, totally alone. And now they're going right into it. A nice transition. Yeah. And Paris, Paris basically says unpleasant news delivered by the most pleasing of messengers. And then he kisses the actress playing seven of nine, which was so bizarre to see that, that Paris would be kissing seven. And Kellis is very frustrated with his performers. He's like, what are you doing? You can't, you know, he's not, yeah. he's not happy because he feels like they don't get the Eternals, yeah. the Voyager Eternals. Also, she doesn't, the actress didn't want to go over close, you know, near no, Paris no, when didn't. he's lying down there. So yeah. she's, she gives her lines and then the director, Kellis says, closer. Closer, yeah. And they... And then the, she steps a little closer and he goes closer. Yeah. So it was very funny. Her, her yeah. look of like, I don't want to be doing this I, no. love scene. No. Cause she's in love with Kellis. Right. I mean, yeah. So that's another thing. She was not happy about that. And Kellis is so frustrated. He gets up and he throws his script. Do you remember that at the end? He threw his what? script. No, he, he had his pages there and he like he? threw it. I and I thought, oh, what a classic director move. I like okay. that little detail. You like so, that detail. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. Now we're moving on. We're back in the Delta Flyer interior. Kellis is pacing back and forth behind Bellana. Kellis says that he cannot blame his performers who are having difficulty understanding the Eternals on Voyager. And then he starts mumbling a little bit more about what's going on. And he, he starts bringing up how he doesn't understand how it's possible that Tuvok has no emotions, <laughs> which is actually yeah. funny because they don't know what Vulcans are, right? Yeah. yeah. And at, during this conversation, as he's talking, Balana does get the power up and running. She's connected to Dilithium, so she has some power now. Mm -hmm. And her goal is to get this subspace transmitter online to get a message to Voyager. So as she's trying to bring this transmitter online, it does overload. So it yeah. fritzes out and kind of you know, explodes basically. Explodes, yeah. yeah it was a nice yeah, big a loud pop. bang. Yeah. yeah. And uh she's frustrated, but she does turn to Kellis and say, What type of alloys do you have here? And ultimately she tells Kellis, I need a thin, 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 thin plate of metal that is comprised mm -hmm. of three parts tin, five parts bronze, with one side coated with gold. And Kellis is like, gold, that's expensive. I can't get it. She's like, well, I guess you're going to be in debt then. And um, she says the plate in exchange for information on Vulcans. And Vulcans. Tuvok. He keeps yes. asking about Vulcans. He's obsessed yes. with, he doesn't obsessed. understand Vulcans. So no. he's like, all right, I'll do it. I can't do it now because everybody's sleeping, but I'll do it in the morning if you tell me about Vulcans. Right. Yeah. So off of that moment. Yep. We go into the mess hall. Which is awesome. Another, Another transition. Another great transition. Yeah. 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 Low light in there. Tuvok is kind of in a, in a in a profile shot there. And Neelix mm -hmm. walks up and says, by his count, he hasn't slept in 10 days. Tuvok does affirm that. He says, yes, it's been a while. But he also says that Vulcans don't need sleep for two weeks. And I thought, wow, yeah. that's kind of amazing. But, you know, Neelix is like, you might think about the fact that this might be a point of diminishing returns where you're so tired that everything you're doing right now is you're, you're kind of running your your wheels you're spinning your wheels yeah. and going nowhere right now so um yeah but tuvok says nope he's fine i did like that neelix says you know the ship is lonely without kim and oh Tuvok. yes yes which i thought yeah. was a really sweet that was a gesture. sweet moment yes and i think tuvok was feeling that as well it's just the yes. vulcan way he was dealing with it that's Most why definitely. he was so obsessed and not yeah. sleeping he didn't want to go to sleep because he was trying to find a way to find us right so trying yeah. to find harry and, and balana yeah the other thing i noticed in the scene was the lighting tuvok was there a couple people yeah it was a little lower lighting yeah but there was a bowl of nuts on the table and all of a sudden i remembered i was like Oh my God. Yeah. We always had those silver bowls with, on nuts, the in them. with nuts. I'm like, what is this? A cocktail lounge? Like, <laughs> and, and, yeah. 
And by the way, you never eat the nuts in the bowl. No, you, they, you, you don't touch the nuts. They've been there forever. They're probably <laughs> dusty and grimy. And I'm going to say and, that those nuts were there yeah. since TNG was there. So don't touch yeah. the nuts. That's don't all. touch the nuts. <laughs> no. But what? It's a cocktail lounge, basically, yeah, is what I'm clearly. saying. Clearly. 10 forward okay yeah. so now um we go back to the amphitheater they're yeah. back into rehearsal again and the individual the actor that's that's it being focused on is the actor playing, playing the role of tuvok basically yeah, playing right? tuvok and, and then he, he's getting emotional he got this. emotional he starts crying yeah <laughs> it, yeah very funny kellis is very upset he yeah. you know yells at him he says tuvok is logical he wouldn't cry what are you doing yeah, but I, mean, I love Kellis, how the actor is like the actor's yeah. like, you know what? But if I do it this way, they're either gonna think that Tuvok is a monster or that I'm a bad actor because I have no that's emotion. Right. And he's like, No, he has no emotion because that's the way it is. And so this is just very difficult for the uh, actor to understand. I like when Kellis also says, In the land of Vulcan, there is no <laughs> laughter. Yes, yeah. the there land is of no Vulcan. laughter. Yeah. So it's not planets, it's this yeah. is a great. There are oceans and ships and right. islands, but there's no planets. They can't right. go there yet. Yeah. yeah. Amidst this uh, this whole talk about the land of Vulcan, a messenger does arrive yes. saying that their patron, their warlord, has been insulted by his enemy to the north. The armories have been opened. Kellis quickly asks, has the battlefield been chosen? Which in this land or this time, this planet, that's a big deal. Uh, yeah. And so if it hasn't been chosen, then basically hostilities haven't truly begun. So yeah, if they haven't chosen when, battlefield, no. I got some time yeah. to get Kellis, this new play. That's done. right. Yeah. Kellis says that I have time. And well, it's sort of it's a little vague because you don't know. He didn't say he just says, then I have time. But later we yeah. learn time meaning he can get another play going to sort of change the mind of his warlord yeah so we're back in the delta flyer interior and mm -hmm. kellis tells balana that he really needs help he needs help he brings changing. the metal by the way he brings he does have the metal, metal. Yeah, yeah but it has impurities in it so it's not really the best metal to use yeah. it's not going to hold a hold a polaron charge i think is what she said yeah something like that but he really needs help to help change his patron's mind, the warlord's mind about going to battle. And he thinks that his play is the way to stop this yeah. battle from happening, this war from happening. And he basically convinces Balana to come with him to show her what he's developed so far, what he's written yeah. so far in this play. First, she says, you know, Eternals shouldn't get involved in these That's right. Disputes. That's right. She does and he goes, that. well, you may not want to get involved, but if you stay here, you're going to be discovered. Yeah. You know, there's scouting parties heading this way. And mm -hmm. if you get discovered, that's the end of all of this. So that's what sort of makes her listen. And uh, she goes to help him write the play. Yeah. So we end up back at the amphitheater and he... He's describing, I mean, he's got to introduce her clearly to everyone yes. there. So he comes up with this story that this is a fellow poet. And she's in a robe, by the way. She's like in a she's monk's in a robe. robe. Yes, yeah, so and she's covered up, but everyone yeah. can see her. Her forehead is definitely not that different. That little, you know, round oblong, you know, like whatever them. they, yeah, yeah, like them. So he says she's a fellow poet from across the Eastern Sea and that she's an expert on Voyager and the Voyager Eternals. And right when he says that, his girlfriend leaves. <laughs> she's just she's, like, she's uh -huh. like, oh, she's yeah. so mad. Oh, you see her in the background. Mad. Like she's she can't. fuming. No, she immediately, because she knows how jazzed and how passionate that Kellis is. And she can see that he's passionate about introducing 
Balana, which immediately she feels that they're having some type of side yeah. nookie right now. And Balana notices that, by the way. Yeah, she, she does she see sees, that. She sees her storm off. She does see that. And then I wrote that then they kind of move in. They're not on the amphitheater. They move into what I wrote as the amphitheater backstage area. Yeah, I, I guess it backstage. the workshop. Exactly. Yeah, whatever that That's is. where I think was in our cave set, kind of off in that open corner area. Oh, I think they built the backstage in that okay. area. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh the rescue of Bellana Torres. They work on the play. Kellis asks, where, where is the mistaken identity, the discovery? The sudden reversal. So now we get a little glimpse of the parallels yes. of a Hollywood television yeah, writer. This is where he's talking about the <laughs> yes. plot twist, the, yes. the discovery, yes. the sudden reversals, the yeah, yeah all that are, stuff you mentioned. They're staff those, writer. Those are writer issues. Yeah, those are writer issues. This is like it, a biography of <laughs> Joe Minoski's career. Or like pretty much. I've got to come up with a script. Yeah. Yeah. Um can yeah. you can you Give the appropriate Joseph Campbell. Uh, does Joseph Campbell talk about things like mistaken identity, the discovery, and sudden sudden I think reversal classic, as well? I think those are classic kind of Greek tragedy or Greek drama, right? You know, tools that were used yeah. in the stories. They were all they always had the Deus Ex Machina, the you yes. know the gods coming in at the end or yes. something. Uh, yeah, so I think joe who's a loves the classics he loves things yes. that are ancient and old you know yes roman history greek history yep uh, mythology things like that i think that's where he was not only talking about being a tv writer and needing right. to have those parts of his story but that but that's the kind of stuff that joe loves yeah you know? he loves Most definitely stuff. so it's at this point that our senior most chorus member mr axelrod comes sh- into the scene and he talks yep. about you know you just need to find the truth of the story you don't yeah. have to rely on these tricks mm-hmm. so basically he's saying look the in the old days they didn't need these uh, mistaken identity or the discovery or the sudden reversal you just have to find the truth of the story that's yeah. it and uh i just love that now we have a little bit of a, a of a jc shipper moment because uh there we do see i think they rehearse the kiss at this point don't they yes they yes. do oh my goodness yes janeway and wow. chakotay have masks it's wow. a janeway and chakotay scene so the actors yeah. playing them have the masks the on. masks look pretty authentic too they look close they, to the what masks they, were yeah. very cool yep and then they touch the mask and the masks yep. come down together and then they and, share a kiss and then Jan- the janeway character says something like I've been denied the privilege of your touch. Yeah. <laughs> or something very, yeah, very something. poetic. Most definitely poetic and romantic. And they time. kiss. And then you okay. see Torres kind of she sitting just, in the audience. She's like, she's like, shocked. oh, yeah. This is not what really happens. No, our, she's not. Ship. No, definitely not. Um, yeah. We jump to the captain's ready room. And it's great because they go from the kiss again. Look at the transition right into yeah. Janeway's alone in the ready room. Chakotay shows up. So you're thinking, oh, maybe something's going to happen. But they're no. going to have a kiss. Yeah. The transition is even made better because she's kind of lounging and looking out the window. So off of that romantic kiss moment, you have this you pensive romantic sort of moment in this, looking at a romantic <laughs> physical position. She's just like, yeah, it's it's really made it, better, well done, but, though, right? Yeah, Come on, Mike well Behar did his homework on this one. Yeah, Chakotay uh, does arrive to tell Janeway that an alien transport vessel has picked up the Delta Flyer's distress call. 
So this distress call was picked up about 10 days ago. Then Janeway does ask mm-hmm. Chakotay, how long could Harry survive? And Chakotay says less than 10 days in that escape pod that he was in. Yeah, the, you so, hear the fritzy distress call. You see Bellana, you yeah. hear Bellana. It's sort of Santa broken up, sent, but yeah, sent Harry the flyer's to the, damaged yeah. and uh, she's headed for an L-class planet. And yeah. Uh, yeah. that she ordered Harry into an escape pod, right. ordered him to eject. Right. Yeah. And that was but, 10 days ago. Yeah. And and that that the amount of time that Harry could survive is less than 10 days. So now we basically have we the possibility think, that Harry's yeah. now dead. Right. Yep. And you do have a very rare moment of emotion from Janeway after She's very distressed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The minute the minute Chakotay leaves, she doesn't show Chakotay her emotion till she doesn't, you know, let him in on yes. this. But the minute he's gone, it comes out. It's almost like she sits there and thinks, Great. You know, I've pretty much, I possibly have lost my chief engineer and my operations and communications officer. They're gone, yeah. you know, yeah. and this is, and I felt that it was more Harry that she was thinking about because really, you know, she felt Janeway, like a mother. Well, Janeway met Harry's mom and dad and said, look, yeah. I'll get him back fine. So he's the youngest Starfleet senior officer. And this is a huge, she was very emotional. Yeah. Most definitely a huge responsibility for her to, that Harry, um, you know, was kind of in her charge in a way and yeah. now it, there's a possibility that he's not alive any longer so you know what again, else was sad yeah. about the end of the scene yeah is that Janeway and Chakotay didn't kiss like in the play <laughs> it was very sad very emotional I was sad okay he should have kissed like the play good, the play the play's got it right okay. all right the play has it right yeah clearly um so now we're we're back at the we're amphitheater. Yeah, yeah, it's nighttime. We have some cool quotes here. We uh, we hear that anger is like fire. Love can be the rain that extinguishes it. So so poetic. So mm-hmm. at this point, there's some questions about the Borg uh, that Kellis asked Bellana. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of, uh, this is kind of a turning point because before he was talking about, okay, it has to be love. There has to be love. There has to be kissing between Janeway and Chakotay. She's like, I can't believe you've got too much kissing in this play. Why is everybody kissing? Everyone's kissing everyone else. Right. And, uh, and he says, no, that the theater started as a temple a hundred years ago. He he goes into some history here. He says, right. The theater was a temple. And where victims would be sacrificed in honor of winter every year. Yeah. But then one year, yeah. and nobody knows why they did this. Yeah. They didn't sacrifice an innocent human or That's innocent right. person. Mm-hmm. They uh, performed a play in, That's in right. place of it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like Joe Minoski knows that's Greek history. That's yeah. the temp theater came out of religious practices. Yeah. Like, so I love that um, he got some of that history into this uh, story. I do too. I think that's yeah. awesome. But this conversation with Tora is sort of, it's a brainstorming session. And so he realizes. Did you, do you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you yeah. remember by the way, he says, we're well, going to have to do better than Harry kissing the Delaney sisters. Oh yeah. I was like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Harry? Kissing <laughs> I forgot the about that. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But this uh, description of the Borg and and how the Borg operate, they have a queen, they have soldiers that are part of this vast army. So this conversation sort of basically triggers Kellis to realize like, oh, wait a minute, I do have a sudden reversal here. Okay, so Janeway could be 
holding her her spears at the throat of the queen. And then instead of killing her at the end, she throws aside her her weapon and says that she's, you know, she's not going to. She's going to make uh, peace. Yeah, she's going to make peace. Exactly. And yeah. so hopefully this is this is the message that his warlord will respond to and hopefully not get into war with their northern enemy, which is the ultimate goal, you yeah. know, to stay and alive. And Torres is like, that's much better than all that kissing. Right. So yeah. clearly Bolana hates romance and kissing, which right. I wish I had known is Tom Paris. I <laughs> He still wants to. He, he wants still to needs stay. an ending. Yeah, he yeah he's like, I ending. don't have an ending. Yeah, yeah. Torres and is like, no, you'll figure it out. You'll get. And it. he goes, you know what? Uh, he basically he threatens to kill off her character. <laughs> he goes, he yeah, says, Torres. what if Bolana Torres dies tragically? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and she's, she actually cares. She's like, you wouldn't dare. But she's bonded with him. Like, look at that response to him. Like, you wouldn't dare. This is like buddies. Like, you, I, I, if I was Tom, I'm like, okay, who is this alien dude? Huh? Yeah. Who is this alien yeah. guy bonding with my wife? And by so. the way, killing off character. Like, that's what the TV writers think about all the time. Like, well, we could kill off this <laughs> we character. Kill this person we could off. Kill that yeah. one off. That'd be a dramatic turn. You'd never expect it. Oh, so my I gosh. think that was a little, I think there were some like, messages to our cast in yeah. this episode like yeah. some subtle hinted hinted at yeah. messages all right so next we have a planet shot and you see the flyer crashed up on a hill which i love i thought those visits that was a great shot great. i like yeah. that yeah really good shot mm-hmm. then we go inside the flyer taurus comes in and then we it's revealed that lena is there yeah she's in the shadows and i love the way that he sort of revealed her yeah uh, back there and she says she basically says like she was expecting to find a love nest, <laughs> but instead she's found out the secret that Torres is not an eternal. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Torres is like, there's nothing going, like, I get yeah. that you're jealous. Nothing going on with me and Kellis. Oh, yeah. Relax. But yeah. Lena doesn't believe her and says- She threatens I, her. She does. She's yeah. like, I will expose you. You're yeah. not an eternal. Yeah. And I'll tell everybody. If you just, ever come back, right? Ever Isn't that what she back, says? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you need to leave. Yeah. Just, just don't come back. Your ship and get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> don't talk to my boyfriend anymore. That's and my then she boyfriend. Takes, yeah. Exactly. Then she takes off. Yeah. And Bolana's like, oh, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden yeah. you hear Harry's, Harry's voice. Yeah. And he's in the bushes. Yes. He appears right outside <laughs> in the bushes. And he's okay. He didn't die. <laughs> Basically, I was a little uh, worried. I was like, "Where is Harry?" Because remember when we when we were never showing up. Yeah. My yeah, my memory was that I was or always in the shuttle, but injured. But that's not what happened. No, I was gone. I was not. You even weren't even close. injured. I wasn't you even, even injured. injured. I was no. totally fine. Yeah. Although you were tired because you say like I walked two hundred kilometers. That's far. That's Think a about lot. that. Yes. Isn't that like the distance between, isn't that LA to Vegas or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a long ways to walk that far. But he, he said he walked 200 kilometers and he carried, and he's, he's got the piece that she needs. Yeah, the, I, I do. I do. But I, I did not, Harry did not walk during the day. He hid during the day. So that's oh, also that's the right. thing. He only walked during night, but yeah. he does save the day. He has exactly what they need in order to contact Voyager. So that... That escape pod transmitter that he has is is basically gold to Torres. She's you know so what, happy. You know what else was cool in this scene is um, how she know, reacted Harry, to Harry ha- coming in. She reacted to Harry coming in, but at the very end when she leaves, yeah, and you're kind of in the back of the shuttle in the shadows. There's yeah. a nice moment holding on Harry, and you found your eye light. Did you notice that? 
you were kind of yes. in the shadows. Yeah. And then as she left, you kind of ducked down and I so pulled the, down to the find the light. light. Yeah. To find the light on your face. Very professional. Very yes, nice. Move. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But I did like the her reaction to seeing Harry because it was very, very emotional and excited. Yeah. And yes, you know, Torres doesn't get she doesn't get no. like that. You know what I'm saying? She's pretty yeah. by the book and really kind of not that person who's going to get excited like a schoolgirl. And she really yeah. did. She was like, oh, Harry. So I really yeah. love the way that Roxanne Plort portrayed uh, that yeah. uh, moment. How she played that moment. I think it was very good. We go to this high wide shot of the theater. Yeah. And, and like a vis effect shot. Yeah. And in this moment, I was like, and you see the village behind them. Yeah. In this moment, I was like, oh, I wish they had done this a little different because you could see how tiny this theater was. How like would you have, how two, would you have done it? How it would you have done it? Two rows. Okay, how would, would you have how would you it have had, done it? It literally had two rows of seating. And I was like, <laughs> I would have turned it around so you saw more of the stage and less of how small the theater was. How small was. the theater was itself, yes. It felt like you were seeing that that there was not much room for an audience. Two I just rows. But anyway. Our two row theater, our little <laughs> yeah. off, off, off Broadway off, theater. Off, off, off Broadway. <laughs> uh, we jump down, cut out of that wide shot, that vis effect shot down yeah. inside the theater. And Callus is there. He's pacing. He's yeah. trying to figure out the ending. And then well, Lena, he's also wondering where Bellana is because he expected Bellana yeah. would be there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Lena comes in and she says, you know, um, your collaborator is probably long gone she's out of here she's right. not coming back right and i love when the older actor says something like well do you have an ending yet and he's like not yet yeah. soon though soon and the older actor's like well we better get it quickly yeah. because we're not going to have time to learn our lines right and i was like oh my god that sounds like our cast when like <laughs> are, are we going to get the script for the new episode because yeah. it starts shooting tomorrow yeah i remember kate would always be like i've got we're going to do bridge scenes tomorrow i, know. I need to learn my lines yeah very funny late scripts very yeah. funny oh yeah anyway so we go to a another wide shuttle shot we see the crash shuttle we go inside yeah. there's kim and torres they've been working trying to get this communication system uh back online yeah. and i think balana says something like okay well, let's try again the 38th time might be the charm so yeah they've been trying a lot yeah and it works and, and it works <laughs> the 30th time, yes. 38th time yeah and then harry says uh after they get up working he goes you do the honors. Yeah, Bologna. you contact. Yeah, you contact you them. So mm -hmm. they send this, uh, you know, message. She's going to send yeah. a message to. But Voyager. you only hear the first part. She just begins Voyager. This is the Delta flyer, and then we don't. And hear that's the rest it. Of it yeah, she's going to going to send this. Yep. And then we go back to the theater, but yep. now it's nighttime. This is the deadline. He's got to have this play written, so we don't know what well, he did. They're paid. The the audience is there. The warlord is already yes. in. The, he's sitting in one yes. of the two rows, <laughs> the yes. front of the first row. Yeah, and he's there. Yeah, he's not in a good mood. They're backstage looking out the curtain or whatever, right? And and the actors are are not happy with the ending, by the way. No. They're like, this no. is not good. No, nope. it doesn't make sense, you doesn't know. Make sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And he and so Kellis decides one last thing, he's gonna send a copy of it to Bolana. So he asked one of the like they've got people copying down the script that he wrote. They're copying, right. you know, yep. making making copies for the other actors, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he grabs one of them and says, "Take this this uh, new version and and take it with a message to Bolana." 
Yeah. Well, actually, uh, he doesn't say to Bolana. He just says, you know where the ridge ends just below, oh, yeah, below the right. peak? Yeah. Run there as fast as you can, and you'll find a vessel wrecked against the rocks. So that's his way of telling Basically him. Basically tells him where to go yeah. and send this message with the script to Bolana. Don't be frightened <laughs> when yeah. you see technology oh, that yeah. you don't know of. Yeah, basically. And then we have a space flyby uh, Voyager, and we cut yep. to the bridge. I love this scene. Oh, my God. This scene was so funny. So oh, funny. I love this scene. Uh, we see Paris in kind of a close-up down there flying and doing his thing. Doing right? his thing, <laughs> just kind of, you know, at ease or whatever. And suddenly there's a noise. And yeah. Paris, like, he's got a look on his face. Yeah. And... There's another noise, and slowly Paris turns around, and Tuvok in the captain's chair is sitting straight up with his eyes closed, dead asleep, snoring. Snoring. <laughs> and I loved this this non dialogue back and forth, the way they oh cut it, the moments. Because my face, the faces I made, and yeah. reactions, and like ooh, ooh, all these different <laughs> snores. Yeah. And then his deadpan, sort of the way he was sleeping, was funny to me. It was yeah. just hilarious. And just so. and how, how he woke up was hilarious too. Because yes. you're like, Tuvok, Tuvok. And he's like, as you are. He wakes up yeah. like as like yeah. he's still <laughs> It was very funny. That yeah. whole it was a classic oh comedic bit, but it I was really it was good. Really yeah. Good. And comedy with you two, which which is rare. You don't have it comedy is. with Paris. No, Paris and Tuvok, Tuvok are right? a funny, funny odd yeah. couple. You are a funny um couple. Tuvok wakes up and he and he calls Chicote and he's like I need I need a break I need yeah. some relief here he realizes and just at that moment yeah they get a transmission yeah. so well, notification tom sound yeah gets tom goes to clear it up but tom gets out of the pilot seat yeah why did you get up and why did you go there no you can idea. do the same thing at con i didn't understand why you I got up no i have no idea i was... don't and who's who's Who? driving the ship at this point you put it on cruise control is what you did. I guess so. so you did. But it just, it was confusing. It is to a me. little why weird. Yeah, I, why would why you do I that? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But Tom <laughs> does clear up this, uh, you know, rough transmission and yeah. it's Balana. We realize that we're 5.2 light years away from the fourth planet near an F type star. And so yeah. they set course for this uh, planet at max. Did you play Earth. relief at this point or did you play ex play excitement? What did you play when you heard that it was Harry? I don't know. I, I felt like it played. I, I was still thinking about the comedic snoring bit before. So I. <laughs> I was having the most okay, fun fine. with that part. The you know, Bolana calling whatever. Yeah, like whatever. She doesn't She's, love me anyway. Like so you. <laughs> you don't know that. Nah. You don't know that, Tom Paris. Yeah. Okay. But the uh -huh. snoring was funny. That was my favorite. That was but, my favorite thing I did in the whole episode was just <laughs> the faces I made listening to all him your, snore. Oh, your little fa reaction faces. My there. mugging faces. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it worked well though. It was very good. That scene, yeah. that scene cut together quite well. But we yeah. do find out that Harry and Bellana are 5.2 light years away. F type yeah. star, the fourth planet. So Tuvox is laying a course, maximum warp. What would have been funnier is if he gets that command out and just goes right back to sleep again. That <laughs> would have been wonderful. Yeah, yes. Be good. We go to the theater next. Yeah, the play the is, so this performance of the play that we don't know how it ends. It's going on. It's happening. It's going on. I yeah. love the crane shot that came in from behind the stage yes. and then 
sort of wrapped around mm-hmm. beautiful big shot i love good it. job mike vehar the characters of captain janeway and seven of nine are talking yeah. in the scene that's right and in the scene they have found the delta flyer wrecked yeah. on a faraway shore mm-hmm. and the janeway character tells the seven character that that seven is the only one who can find balana right and then seven of nine has a speech to the audience she yeah. turns to the audience yeah she talks about being queen of the Borg yeah. and how she's going to betray, betray Janeway right. and take revenge on the Voyager. Yeah. And no intention and of finding Bellana Torres. No intention. No, no she's going to, mm. she's going to turn yeah. on him. Yeah. And then she, I love when she says to the audience, she tells the audience all of this. And then she says, say nothing. Sur- right. Right. But she too. also said, right before that, she's like surprised. Like she's almost like oh, adding yeah. commentary to this thing. And then say nothing or you too. Yes. will be assimilated. Yes. Or you too that. will be assimilated. Like they're very interactive. Assimil- yeah. Like the actors are going to assimilate the audience. But <laughs> yeah. It was funny. It was. And it was. Then, uh, then the Janeway character has a speech where she reveals to the audience. Right. That she knows. She knows the plan is, is the board yeah. queen. <laughs> And she says something like, my enemies are everywhere. Yeah. And she also says, tell her nothing. Exactly. Or else she'll lose her advantage. So that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Very funny. Very funny scene. Classic theater scene. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, We go back to the flyer. Harry and Bellana have reestablished communication with Voyager and they're giving their status. And Tom says, we don't see him, but he says, see you soon. And then suddenly this messenger oh the one from earlier he shows yeah he appears Mm -hmm. in the doorway and he's terrified he's looking around this (laughs) spaceship the delta flyer has never seen anything like it hands her kellis's message and he's out he's like i'm out of here and the message is basically threatening balana's character with death i'm gonna kill your character right and he says he can't figure out the ending and yeah kim's um, like who cares he's like whatever let's just and then Torres is like no i do and he's yeah. like, what? You're serious, Balana? And she's like, yeah. Harry, have you ever inspired anybody? I like that line. And yeah. Kim's like, that's kind of a weird question. But, you know, Torres has still got this bond with Kellis. She really does have this bond. And she's yeah. like, look, she needs to, she realizes what's going on. That without her, he's dead in the water. And not only is he really going to be he dead, dead in the water, he could be war. killed by the warlord or the yeah. war, right? So yeah. one of those two things could happen. And yep. so Kim is still confused. And basically, Torres says, tell the captain I'm going to be a little bit late because she has a mission to do. And mm-hmm. she says, uh, wait for my signal to Harry. So mm-hmm. she beams out. And uh, the transporter is now online because it's been fixed yep. by Harry and, yep. and Torres. Yeah. So we go to the amphitheater next and the play is in progress. Mm-hmm. And the Janeway and uh, Jane, Janeway character has Seven on the ground with yeah, a spear. About, yeah, at her neck. About to kill her. Throat. Yes. And Seven... The seven character tells Janeway that even if you kill me, the Borg will rise and, right. you know, take your place and destroy you, Janeway. Right. And then Janeway thinks for a moment, throws the spear aside and tells yeah. seven that if we continue this war, all of us will be destroyed and yeah. all that is left is hatred. And then seven rises and says, fool, I'm free to attack again. Yeah. And uh, Janeway goes again and again till we're all just so it's very dramatic anti-war sort of part of the play that Kellis has written. Then we go backstage and and one of the actors tells Kellis that this final scene that you've written is going to ruin everything. Yeah. Uh, We we should just improvise. Improvise. Yeah. 
And then suddenly Torres shows up. Well, Kellis actually says it's too late to improvise. And that's when Torres goes, no, it's not. Dun, dun, yeah, dun, that's right. She that's came right. to rescue. Kellis is excited. He's like, yeah, I knew you're going to be here. And and Lena, horrible Lena, bad girlfriend. She's like, I told you not to show up. And Torres mm-hmm. is like, no, 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 hold on. And she runs. Lena runs out there to, to spill the beans, to be yeah. to be the, the tattletale, basically. Yeah. Then uh, I think the chorus in the, this part of the play, they say, finally, Voyager has reached our shores. Right. And Balana then goes on the stage. Right on stage. Yep. And she starts <laughs> acting in the play. She, she did says, a really good mm-hmm. job of being someone who's not really used to being in a play. You know, yes, she kind of yeah. did a little hesitant. And I, yeah, exactly. Good job. Good job. Good job, Roxanne. She tells Kellis that that he must say goodbye to the eternal Balana Torres. Yeah. Because she needs to return to the Eternals right before your eyes. Yeah. Which I kind of, now I, you kind of know, oh, she's going to do this uh, like, going to do a beam, beam out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just as you think she's going to do that and save the day, yeah. Lena runs out by the, uh, the warlord <laughs> and the whole audience and tells them that Balana is, well, she's Bellana not an eternal. Not she's, an eternal. Not, right? she's not from the Eastern Sea. And no. she's actually the real Balana Torres. She said, I saw her ship. And lucky enough, course number one, Sort of plays into this and yes, says, exactly. the lead actress, in a fit of jealousy, brands her rival and eternal. Our patron rises to his feet to stop the play. And now the patron's like, oh, I love this. You almost got yeah, me. I <laughs> almost believed yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He goes, and he sits good down, one. continue. Continu- right, continue. And, they, and I love how they uh, the guards escort Lena away. They're like, you know, we're taking you yeah. out of here. The with guards the big, with the big, the big helmets. Yeah, yeah exactly. the big helmets on. It was amazing. I think they should have uh, taken the helmet off and stuck it on her is what they would have been. Another way to do it. That so. way. I like the helmets. The helmets okay. are good helmets. Yeah. But Kellis, so the play continues. Kellis tells Bolana stay. Yeah. And Taurus says goodbye. And uh, Kellis says that, you know, you'll inspire me every time I think of you. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, Bolana is emotional in this moment. And so is Kellis. And I'm like, I'm kind of with Lena for a minute. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Is there like, why is this so personal? Why is she... They bonded, it fe- man. It felt a they little. Bonded. Didn't it feel a little romantic? Yes. The way that they were playing. Oh this? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's now KT shippers, Kellis and Torres shippers. I guess maybe. so. I I guess mm. so. But she yeah. she she uh, signals Voyager. She says one to beam up. Yeah. And she. But no, it wasn't up. Voyager. It was it was me. Yeah, or uh, signals Harry. Yeah. Harry. yeah. And uh, says one to beam up. Mm-hmm. And she disappears right on the stage. Yeah. And the audience is shocked. And uh, then then the chorus, I think, sort of ends the play. Well, they say a couple of things. So ends the rescue of Blanca Torres, half Klingon, yes. uh, Blanca Torres, half human Blanca Torres, chief engineer. And then Kellis says the last words, which are, these stories will continue for as long as we have the breath to tell them. And as long as our patrons remain wise and compassionate and Voyager will continue on her journey to the gleaming cities of Earth where peace reigns and hatred has no home. 
and we end on a sh- don't we have a reaction of of the warlord where he's like oh i will yes, not go to yes. battle sort of a realization yes. yeah yeah so uh, so basically the the job or the goal of them not getting into battle it seems like it's implied they did not go to battle after exactly this, so. and in a way i think it's joe minoski's way of saying like these kind of stories can really change people's lives they can Most change definitely. the way we look at the world and Most so, definitely. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was great yeah, fun, fun episode. I agree. I like What that. is your lesson for this episode? Lesson for me, it's kind of like a hodgepodge. Like with the old man coming in saying, what's important is the truth of the story. I mean, that was sort of one of my lessons. Like, you know, you don't have to, you know, when, more more important than anything else is finding the truth in, in the situation if you're a writer. So that was like a lesson for writing specifically. Mm-hmm. But then... I did like the whole thing where they said anger is like fire and love can be the rain that extinguishes it, which is true. I mean, if you approach mm-hmm. every situation with, from position of love, mm-hmm. how can how can uh, anger survive or how can anger continue if you're because it takes two people to escalate it to a point where it becomes, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes mm-hmm. armed conflict. And so if one person is just giving love and not anger, it can never escalate to that point. So I do, even though they obviously flipped it around the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of lovey-dovey in there, but still I do believe that that was an important lesson as well nice. from this episode. Yeah. Nice. How about you? I think for me, the fundamental lesson was that art can, in, can inspire change or yeah. teach valuable lessons, you know, that art and yeah. um, whatever kind of art music can have that effect, you yeah. know, visual arts, dance, uh, TV shows, you yeah. know, they can actually, inspire change and you know each people something in the way that like joe talks about uh, the the plays happened in a in a religious you know site yes. where they used to sacrifice people right. but instead of sacrificing them they they started the play. doing plays mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. there's a sacred quality to to art i think okay what is your rating of this episode i really love this episode i gotta admit i'm gonna give okay. it an 8.2 Oh, that's pretty good. And the the only reason that I, yeah, it's why not are you, even why are you higher, not higher? Yeah, that's my question. I I feel like there wasn't a lot of Janeway in this. There wasn't okay. a lot of Neelix. There wasn't. It, it was missing, you know, some of the other cast. Yeah. But um, I just really like the it, the episode was so strong to me. Mm. Our guest stars were all good. The story was good. Joe's yeah. writing was amazing. Uh, yeah. I really liked it. Eight point two. Okay, I'm gonna go a little higher than you. I'll go eight point four. Holy moly. Yeah, I'll go a little higher. Okay. Wow. What do we have right. from our admirals and captains? Our admirals and captains average which, rating. Yes. Which we have not seen. Is no. 7.7. 7.7. Okay. All right. So we were both a little higher, yeah. which is funny because I didn't have a, a lot to do in this episode. Right. A lot of the cast didn't. It was mostly Bolana and Gustars. And then you had the most of anybody after that that's right yeah. but it was just a great story i think it's, yeah it's and again kind of yeah the the transitions between from scene to scene just they yeah. flowed so well and again the writing and the directing you know everything everything came together in this episode i felt so i mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it all right well that's it well thank you everyone thank that you so it. much yeah that's it thank you for joining us for this episode talking and discussing the behind the scenes of the episode muse uh, where 
basically Robbie and I were not really there most of the time, but you know, <laughs> we do have our comments about this episode regardless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And join us next week when Robbie and I will be discussing and recapping the episode Fury. 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 Which has nothing Fury. to do with Nick Fury from the Marvel okay. world. But Good to just know. so you know. Good to know. Okay. Okay. Fury yeah. next week. See you next be week. There. All right. Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material. <laughs>